The following presentation is brought to you by the KMmedia.pro network. Each channel is created to provide highly engaging and fascinating content presented in an entertaining light just for you. Please visit KMmedia.pro for complete information. Now, stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our mission is to bring to you the best, most uplifting content heard anywhere. Great guests. Interesting topics and ideas presented with a fun, entertaining style. Please join me, Kevin McDonald, and my friends as we bring new thoughts, terrific people, and creative ideas directly to you. Please join us right now for Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and boy, am I excited for you today and also for me. I get an opportunity to talk to this young lady again, and it'll be so much fun. We're going to have the entire hour, but first... I have to say hello to my friend, Eric. How are you, Eric? Hey, good afternoon, Kevin. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing really well, too. You know, we had an 18-year gap where I was not able to follow up with you. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you is, have you ever been to the Bahamas? You know, that's still on my bucket list. I haven't, haven't been there yet. And and uh, me neither. And I would love to go there one day. But the guest that we have this hour just came back from there. Cool. And she had a she had a retreat there, and it was it was really, uh, from what I understand, it was a really good time. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk with Anne Scotland. She is the author of the book "Live for Joy." You know, it's too bad you can't come up with a positive title or something. Right? <laughs> And welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> good. I am so good. Yes. Live for joy. Just really gets me down. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know, and I've been looking at your website, which, by the way, if you want to follow along with us, it is annscotland.com. And you can go there and find out all the information you need about this vivacious, dynamic young lady because she is doing some great work in the world. And uh, I have the fortunate opportunity well eric and i because eric is part of the show but we we have the opportunity to bring her to the world and to you guys so i'm really excited to have her here well we, we we're going to talk with ann the entire hour and this by the way is being brought to you by kmmedia.pro and it is dare i say it it's commercial free so you can watch the entire thing in its entirety I think I just said that twice and not have to worry about uh, taking a break for commercials. So, so stay with us for the entire time. Cause we've got lots and lots and lots to talk about first and welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Kevin. I am good. I am so good. And I'm just better just being here with you and seeing your smiling face. And from the day, first day that I ever heard there was a thing called positive talk radio, all my joy just went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So your, your, your joy became joyful. It did. I was like, there is? That is amazing. This is what I've been looking for. Something to tell people about. Positive talk radio. Yes. Well, you know, and uh, some of the people that may or may not know this, I started this on KKNW 18 years ago. 
in 2003. And I get the opportunity to do it again today after after such a long period of time because it is, it's in my heart to do this. It's really important to do a positive program, not that we necessarily need one right now, but a positive program where we can talk about things that matter to us in our day-to-day lives, our day-to-day existence. And that's what Anne focuses on is in all of her work is the day-to-day world that we live in between business and home life and all the stress and all the stuff. Anne is the gal to talk to about it, right? Absolutely. That is the truth. (laughs) And so I got to ask you now, how long has the book been out? The book has been out since July. Yeah. Since July. And you also are a, let's see, let me run down the list here. You're an (laughs) author, you're a coach, you're a motivational speaker. You are also a podcaster of note. And what's your podcast name? Uh, The podcast name is Scotland Talks, or if you look on any platform, hashtag Scotland Talks, S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N, you will find me. And she's got over almost 70 episodes now, I do believe. Yes. Wow. I didn't even know that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're welcome because, and all the episodes are centered around finding your inner and your outer joy, right? Yes, absolutely. In your life, in your work, um, in these awkward spaces that we found ourselves in the last two years where life and work really aren't separate anymore. And, you know, I don't even talk about work-life balance anymore. I talk about work-life integration. So how do you bring emotional wellness and joy to this complicated scenario of wives, dogs, children, husbands, food, noises, and your job? <laughs> oh, and by the way, don't forget to wear your mask. You know, and all all the things that go with it in in our society right now, and and uh, it's it's and plus the fact that it's it's actually kind of good because gas is almost five dollars a gallon. So I saw that the other day. I couldn't believe it. Well, I'd been out of the country, and I came back, and you know, I've been keeping up with the news, but not as in depth as normal because I've been working sixteen hour days. <laughs> Don't, don't tell anyone that because that doesn't sound like good work-life balance. Um, <laughs> it's in short spurts, right? It's a marathon. I came back in the country. I was like, oh, my word. I cannot believe that's how much gas is again. But So now what were you doing in the Bahamas? Uh, yes. So in the Bahamas, I was working alongside uh, Will Harris. Uh, He goes by Will Power Harris, who is a motivational speaker. Um, He came on as an apprentice under Zig Ziglar way back in the day. Oh, wow. And yeah, he's a phenomenal speaker uh, and teacher and also does a lot of corporate training. So you can see how we kind of meshed up. And um, I actually have been to the Bahamas for four weeks in the last three months, which is insane because I went for, he invited me to come and do a, a week in December, which was kind of a brainstorming session, kind of a think tank around a new idea he had, which was called a legacy retreat. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. And then we came back in January and did a trial run. We took our own program. And then what I just did in the last weekend of February, the first weekend of March was the first two consecutive retreats with, you know, with paying members and clientele. So. And that, that's called a legacy retreat. Yeah. It's a legacy retreat. So yeah. let me tell you a little bit about please, that. Please okay. do. So people think the word legacy and right away they're like, Oh good God, it's financial planning. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> 
I am very grateful for my financial planner. Let's just make that very clear. <laughs> um, this is about finding uh, a humanitarian legacy. So a lot of us, especially after COVID, a lot of people have been thinking like, what is my purpose here? There's been such major professional shifts, job shifts, family shifts, uh, and people are, what is my real purpose? It doesn't mean it's a substitute for their job, but what's your life purpose? Or I run into a lot of corporate people, their kids have just left home, they're off to college and beyond, and they're like, what is my purpose now? So the retreat spends some time in depth, which a lot of us are familiar with, studying purpose, and then we start breaking that out into a legacy. What can you use that you love to fight what you hate? And that's a willpower Harris uh, slogan that he uses. Use what you love to fight what you hate. And we help people build out a humanitarian legacy that will last long after they're gone, 50, 100, 200 years, and then show them how to make it financially viable, how to get organized, how to create partnerships and collaborations that will make it a reality. And this could be in your backyard or it could be global. That is phenomenal. I, I, I need to go take that class is what I need, or that course is what I need, besides the fact that going to the Bahamas. Although I have got, I, I, my ancestry is Anglo-Saxon uh, um, and English and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I can walk from the car to the hotel and get a sunburn. <laughs> Same here. I'm slathered with sunscreen. I have one of those big grandma hats on. I'm like, do not tease me right now. Because I'm like... I will burn to a crisp in about five minutes. Uh, but yes, the Bahamas is one of our is going to be one of our main locations. However, the next retreat is in Santorini, Greece. So oh, again, not a bad place to go find your humanitarian legacy. How how with a bunch of other people who want to work together to make the world a better place. Let's talk about Anne because yeah. you are motivated and you are really dynamic in, in putting all of this together. Where did you come from? <laughs> I wonder that myself sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, did I really come from this planet? I'm one of those wackadoo people. I love people. I have a good time and I never quite fit in in the traditional sense, but I've learned to just take pride in it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not really alien. No. Uh, <laughs> where did I come from? Uh, I actually came from my beloved, beautiful city of Seattle, born and raised. Oh, look at that. that is, yes. I, I found out something new I didn't know about yes. you. Yes, I'm looking there at your background of the Space Needle and Mount Rainier and having total, like, I'm totally homesick looking at all of that. I remember going up in the Space Needle when I was, you know, very little. We didn't have relatives come to town, and that was the big thing. We got to go up there and eat in the restaurant when I was a little kid. And then Mount Rainier back there every single summer. My parents weren't really into Disneyland kind of stuff. They were huge into the outdoors, which is one of the reasons they had moved to the Pacific Northwest, and my dad was working at Boeing. And um, so we camped all around Mount Rainier and backpacked all around Mount Rainier every summer. And then the summer I was 19, my, my dad and my brother and I uh, climbed and summited it, which was a huge accomplishment, especially at the time for me. You, you actually climbed Mount Rainier. I did. I slept on the side of the mountain. I jumped some crevasses, which scared the <clears throat> out of me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that because Eric had his, his finger on the button there. I know, um, I know. 
but but yeah, I I thought I looked at Mount Rainier. As a matter of fact, I can I, there's a road that go, I go by every day, and I look at it, and it's just beautiful. And I'm going someday, someday. No, I'm not. I'm never going to climb that thing. That, that's I don't like the snow, and I don't like the cold that much. But that's that's just me. What was that in a really unique experience? It was. I mean, it was incredibly hard because I'm. I mean, I'm an outdoorsy person, but I'm not. Um, you know, I'm not a climber. I wasn't a rock climber. So it was very different. You know, you have to learn how to use your ice pick for those of you who have done it. And you have to learn to self-arrest, which means if you go sliding down a glacier at top speed, you have to know how to stop yourself with your ice pick. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely challenging and incredibly physically taxing. Plus you're doing all that at very high altitude. So um, a lot of people get altitude sickness. I got very fortunate. I didn't. I kept eating my M&Ms, which is what they told us to do at the time. So, <laughs> Well, see, now there's a nice treat. For, <laughs> even if you're going up in the mountain to have a nice M&M treat while, while you're there. See, for me, what would happen would be I would get down to the bottom of the mountain very quickly because I wouldn't be able to stop myself. I would go sliding down and, and end up someplace that I really wouldn't want to be. So, you know, but that's, but that's, that's just me. But I love looking at it. It's a beautiful area. And uh, so you moved away from Seattle. Where'd you go? Yeah. So eventually my dad uh, got transferred to a job down in Northern California. Well, first we were in the Spokane area for a while, um, which was beautiful because we were out in the, you know, in the woods and valleys near the uh, Spokane River Valley, not too far from where it meets the Columbia River. Um, so I spent several years in not in subdivisions and uh but in in-depth nature in depth and by that i mean we were homeschooling at the time as in i was the child not the parent <laughs> homeschooling at the time and they didn't do that very much back then they didn't very much in fact washington state had really stringent rules about homeschooling and you had to have a teacher certification in order to do it legally okay. and um i'm not sure how much that's changed but i remember my mom had graduated from University of Arizona. She had a master's and she was a teacher. But when I was about five, uh, she took summer school at U of W and to get her teaching credentials in Washington state. So my parents were those kind of people. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. <laughs> Play by the rules. And so that's where you got all of that, that oh, from. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like they were, they were awesome people to be around too. They were really awesome people. And, um, the fact that we got a chance to spend all that time in nature was huge. Uh, it created a very strange childhood because I was really out there until I was over 15. I had never been in a real school yet at that point. I'd never been in a school and I lived, we lived a very isolated life. So it was an unusual way to grow up, but it definitely had some benefits and I think made me a lot, a lot of what made me who I am today, which is sort of deeply inspired by nature, by animals. And then having, been born a social child and not had much opportunity. I just love people. <laughs> See, now that's that's kind of unusual because if you are if you're you know alone a lot, a lot of times you get shy and you get, uh, but you but you're anything but that. <laughs> yes. so, so you you are and you you work in front of a lot of people a lot, and now tell us about the book live for joy and how you came to become such because i've been reading some of your your reviews oh, and it's like you're a you're a, a 21st century thought leader uh you're you know you, you people are eagerly awaiting your your twitter and and your your 
podcast and everything that you do because it's so positive and uplifting. You know, I really should take your your lead and and have a positive program. That's what I should probably do. <laughs> you should. I think you should. Enough of the sadness. <laughs> <laughs> and and so you you are taking that and you're taking it to the next level and you are becoming a national thought leader. Have you thought about that? Not really. Like that kind of that that does make me shy. <laughs> I feel, but I feel like as long as I am bringing people more joy and positivity and encouragement, especially now in a time when people have had so much suffering and sadness and disappointment and loss, and um, it's just been such a strange, strange couple of years. And there's no better time to be taking it to the next level with what I do and really reaching out to people and helping them realize it's just small achievable steps that can help move them really from into their joy. They don't have to take a magic potion. They don't have to sit cross-legged for 20 years. Oh, you can if you want to, but you don't have to. <laughs> I, if, I, if I could sit cross-legged, I would, but I, I'm sorry. I'm not that flexible anymore. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I so I want to ask you about you know I know the, the book is is important. It's been selling. It's been selling really well, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been selling really well. Um, and you had asked kind of you know how it came about. So I had been um, you know writing on social media. I've always been a writer since I was very young, and have had you know small things and articles published in various things, but never published um, a full book. I mean, I'm, I always have that half-written novel in my computer here somewhere, but this was yeah. different. <laughs> and uh, as you know, I had also been an actress and worked in Hollywood for about 10 years. And so, uh, you know, after all of that, and I, I'm still connected to that world, I still have my representation and everything, but I just felt like it was a really, I just felt really driven to bring positive wellness to everyone and make it really accessible. So I know, especially in the younger generation, a lot of people, not all, don't like to sit down and read a book cover to cover, or even a whole chapter just looks daunting, or even listening to a whole chapter just seems like too much. I mean, so, um, so I just set out, also, I set out to write something that would be very impactful, motivational, inspirational, but that you could get kind of a concentrated dose in just a minute or two that you could have a few thoughts that were so specific and really provoke deep thought in your own soul that you could carry that with you throughout the day, or you could read a lot. Um, so that was the first uh, motivation. The second motivation is I am a very visual person, a very visual learner. I love nature. I love art. So I said, let's pair this, these short bursts of information up with a book that basically looks like a coffee table book, which is partly why it's been so successful. It's absolutely gorgeous. And uh, it's 285 pages. Every um, small passage has opposite a full-size color page of art or photography that is painstakingly selected to go with the message, the written message. I picked every single image myself. So that was how this book was slowly born. It took me a couple of years to even fully put it together. Wow. So you were in Hollywood for 10 years. I was. So do you uh, like, uh, you know, I don't know, have any uh, dirt on anybody? There? <laughs> I try not to have too much gossip because I find that steals from my joy. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, you know, because honestly, yeah, I, I think in some manner, um, 
Hollywood's gotten a bad rap because there are some really dynamic. Uh, Jim Carrey comes to mind mm-hmm. as somebody who is really interested in the betterment of mankind. I've listened to some of his speeches on yeah. and, and at graduations and stuff. So mm-hmm. you know there are lots of good people. There are good people everywhere. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. There's good people everywhere, and there's very selfish people everywhere. And um, you know Hollywood is one a real mix, right? So you have high achievers and sometimes they don't care who they run over to get there. And then you have also people who are really there and became artists because they have a passion for humanity and they want to make a difference and they want to create, create, you know, movies and television that can move people and help change the world. So I was kind of one of those where I was in like the first feature, one of the first feature films that I starred in was a humanitarian feature um about uh about iran during the revolution in 1979 1980 it was a docudrama and uh it was it was like a passion project because it wasn't highly paid we shot in in la we shot in uh, france and paris for a month so it was a great great opportunity but that's when i really felt like i was doing something that was making a difference that's when i felt impactful um nothing wrong with comedy. I love some good comedy, but it's always fun to do. But then, you know, what kind of comedy, you know, what's, what are we accomplishing? If that's cheering people up, fine, but let's also teach the world something um, to relate to each other, you know, open doors, not closed doors. Do you find that, you know, post COVID and in the last couple of years that, that people are changing, that the people are more interested in, I, I, I'd reference, uh, Last last August, they called it the Great Resignation, which which so many people quit their jobs, and the the pundits were all saying, "Well, why is that happening? Why do you think it was because they've got more money somewhere else or whatever?" I think it was because they were having a joy gap; they weren't living their life to, to their best the best example of what they could do and so they were became more unhappy because after they were home for a while they realized that work isn't all there is that there's more to it than life and and that's that's what you talk about a lot it is it is and it's it's such a an incredible and dramatic experience that is happening in our country and in the world right now and i think I think that a lot of, and I talk about clients and the people I work with too, I think a lot of people had just become comfortably numb in their pattern. Yep. You know, yep. and um, they're like, I'm, I'm going 110% all the time. I work really hard. I play hard. I've got the kids. I've got this. I've got that. Um, I got the friends thing, the social thing. And all of a sudden, when you shut, all, shut down all of that activity and noise, none of which is inherently bad, all of a sudden, you know, when you have to just be at home alone and look at yourself in the mirror or just sit with yourself all day, that's different. It Most is. people haven't been doing that for, for, for decades since we had a quieter, slower world and slower pace. So I think this became an unintentional national and global introspection. And people really started thinking, what is it that really matters to me? And the great resignation was that, you know, maybe it was more time with their kids or their significant other, or maybe it was in nature, or maybe it was, you know, I can afford to let this big house go and live a little simply, more simply, and actually start making a difference in the world from a humanitarian basis or some other way. It was a real time of reflection, I feel like. I agree with you. And I think it's, I think it's continuing in that there are more and more people that are interested in 
learning how to express joy, learning how to live in a more positive way. And you've, you've got uh, an entire program based around that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I take it to, to anyone, to schools, to organizations, uh, even to corporate, because I felt like this two years really opened up the corporate mindset that emotional wellness is a thing that actually needs to be addressed. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> it's a thing after all. Because they, you know, some people had budgets for, you know, therapy and other useful, um, you know, modalities. But I think suddenly realizing when there was a mass scale of people that were suffering um, and not experiencing emotional wellness and not being as productive and quitting their jobs, um, it suddenly became important and relevant even to the bottom line. So I really made an effort during that time to kind of reach out. I don't want them to forget. I'm not gonna let them forget once, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> cross our fingers, COVID is a long thing of the past, how important that is. Cause they had budgets for physical wellness, of course, that's been going on since what the eighties, nineties, that it was important for, especially in large corporate workplaces to, to take care of people's physical health. But the emotional health is different. And um, I, I work with people to discover how they can be more emotionally well and joyful in the workplace. But also, and this is where I try to teach the leadership, as individuals becoming a more joyful and emotionally well-rounded person. So if you have someone who is typically pretty happy at home, they're likely to be pretty happy at work and vice versa. It becomes about life practices. It's not just something, a hat you put on when you come to the office and take off when you leave. So in the past, when companies might not have really been interested in how their employees were doing when they weren't in their, at their desk, now I'm like, no, this is more of a whole person process. And this is about supporting their health all the time so that we're in the workplace, they're really bringing their best. You know, and if you're a CEO that happens to be listening to this program as you're migrating yourself home from work, I would implore you to look at the, the reality, and I think uh, Anne will back this up, is that a happier workplace where you have fulfilled, motivated, happier workers, your turnover goes down, your absenteeism goes down, your productivity goes up, your customer satisfaction goes up, and all of those things combine to make, <gasps> be still my foolish heart, more profit for you but you, you can't do it the old way the old way doesn't work anymore so you you can't do it with a whip in a chair so that people are i i used to years ago i used to work in places uh, and where on sunday night i would start dreading monday morning yeah i know the feeling <laughs> so so how is that regenerating over the weekend when you're worried and when it starts about oh right after dinner on sunday night it's like oh crap i gotta go to that place again tomorrow i don't want to go don't make me go and and it's and rather than being enthusiastic but that comes from the top doesn't it you have to build a company culture around that huh well, you do. And that's, um, you know, partly while I'm, I'm excited to work with any company, I'm actually pivoting a little bit right now to reach out to the companies that get it because they're younger. Uh, the companies that instantly have the, the budgets for emotional wellness and realize that's a really important thing. So sort of your older Gen X groups, you know, your 
25 to 35 year olds, young CEOs running companies, you know, for anywhere from, you know, 50 and less or, or, or larger, where they're like, this is important. And most of their employees also are grew up in an age where being well uh, it had, was important and getting emotional support or even therapy, which I am not, but was not taboo like it used to be. So this is an open environment and I'm really pivoting because I like to have fun and I like to have really fun, energetic um, group events and meetings and when I'm doing my training and uh, you know, some of the older crowd in the suits are kind of like, who is this crazy woman? I'm like, I'm gonna make you smile if it kills me, I promise. But it's more fun if you can, you know, just kind of have that abundant experience with young people who are like, they wanna do it. It's not like, oh gosh, I have to do it. So. Um, yeah. that's kind of what I'm looking at moving forward. I, and, and, you know, I was talking with another gentleman who's doing this kind of the same work with, with, and he explained it to me. It's like, well, you know, if you approach it from the top down, you can affect more people because it is, you get buy-in from the guy who writes the check. And if you can get buy-in from that guy, then then it can change the entire culture of the company and it can make it a, a better place to work. So now I want to focus, you know, let's, this is Positive Talk Radio, just to be sure, but I just wanted you to give us some tips. If you are not necessarily in that positive, wonderful work environment, how you can defeat the negativity of, of the work environment to make yourself happy. And sure. joyful. Sure. And I think that's kind of the question is, um, you know, and I'm going to play on your words here, Kevin, to make ourselves happy. It's really more about allowing ourselves to be happy. And I, I'm, I'm the wordsmith. So, you know, forgive me. <laughs> but um, I'm the writers coming out. Uh, yeah, it starts around awareness, even before you get to the workplace. So for example, um, I have a free seven day journal on my website. It's hidden. So if you want the URL, it is annscotland.com slash joy journal. That's A-N-N-E-S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N. annscotland.com slash joy journal. And it's a week of reflections. It's illustrated and it has morning and evening reflections. And you can print it out and handwrite it. You can use the digital version and write it right within, uh, within the platform. And it starts with helping us understand our awareness of joy. I like the word joy because I think it's a little more specific to a certain extent than just happiness. So what is your joy awareness? A lot of times we don't really pay attention to what's bringing us joy and what's sucking joy out of us. And here's an example, because we were laughing a few minutes ago about gossiping, you know, which you know everybody loves once in a while, right? <laughs> but so in the moment, you probably experience a lot of entertainment if you're indulging in that kind of conversation with people, right? And it feels kind of like a high. But when it's over, when it's quiet again, a lot of us will feel kind of like, you know, I really shouldn't have said that about Cindy. I feel kind of crappy now. It, it just, you know, it's like, if you were to chart that on a scale of one to 10, was that a joy bringer or did that pull joy away? Now it's going to be different from everyone, but you want to see like, what is your joy average? Like what brings it and what pulls it away? So in the morning, there's stuff, you write a couple sentences. That's all. I keep it really simple kind of you have some challenges of what to look for today in the evening when you go to bed you just write a couple sentences that says what did you notice 
And when you do that for a week, it's incredible how quickly you're like, wow, I never really realized that doesn't even make me that joyful. And yet I do it because I think it makes me happy. So this is something I want to look at. <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's that's brilliant. And so you can go to uh, anscotland.com backslash joy journal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably forward slash whatever the slash is. Whichever the slash is. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm old. The computer wasn't even around when I was young, so you know. But you'll get it. Yeah, no, you'll get it. It's a great tool. It's a great tool. We we do the best we can, and uh, and you know, but isn't it true that if you focus on joy, and thinking about positive thoughts and joy, you know, I, I keep I say that, and I hear. I hear somebody over there saying, oh, God, here's another positive talk thing where you don't have, that's not reality and all that. But the reality is that if you think positive things, don't good things tend to happen for you? Yes. I mean, our, our emotions follow our thoughts. So when you are mostly focused on the negatives in your day, I could list 10 right now, but I won't because that'll get you all thinking about your bills and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't go to the mailbox. Don't go to the mailbox. Um, but, you know, when you're automatically like, okay, what do I, what did I not do? What needs to be done? Or, oh, crap, this and that. And you're constantly sort of, um, you know, having that critical conversation in your mind, not everyone does, but a lot of us do. It's more of, um, you know, where we're coming up short as opposed to when we're coming, where we're coming up full and overflowing. So your emotion, your anxiety levels are going to follow whatever your mind is focused on. And that can be scientifically proven in abundant of abundance of studies, which you can just Google and find on happiness and joy. So yeah, when you make it a conscious attempt to focus on the more positive things in your life, or, you know, you have something negative come up. It's like, okay, um, I'm going to notice this happened. You know, I, I someone with, at work and I had a disagreement, let's say, and it didn't feel good. And that's what happened. Is there anything else I can do about it today? No, because what we want to do is obsess about it to prove how right we were for the next 24 hours. Or you can choose to practice learning to let it go and just be like, you know what, this is not worth the cost in my health, my wellness, my joy. It's not worth the cost. Too bad. I'm not going to let them win and drag me down. <laughs> you know, it's sort of the little patterns you begin to, to find. You know, I, I used one of those when I was prior to this and after the radio thing and before, the, I was a bus driver. Oh, yeah. And occasionally you get into trouble, you know, with, as a bus driver, and it's really easy to do. You can hit something or you can break a rule or something like that. And I, and then you obsess over it because you're going you're gonna to get this thing that's going to say, please see me. So then you got to go talk to the chief, and then you got to go sit down, and you got to go listen to the lecture and all that stuff. And I came to realize that there is nothing that I could possibly do that hasn't been done before. And so I could then let it go and say, he's used to it. It happens to him all the time that he has to have these conversations. I'm not going to worry about it because I haven't done anything that hasn't happened before. So there's no point. That. I love that. Absolutely. That's a really good case in point. So do you want to obsess and punish yourself over something that might feel big to you, but quite honestly, it's just, you know, all in today's work for, for the supervisor, right? Or for the repair guy. Exactly. Um, 
And, and we do that a lot. We do that in relationships. We do that in work. We do it in so many different ways where we tend to punish ourselves. And some of us <coughs> tend to be, uh, you know, type A perfect, <coughs> recovering perfectionists. <laughs> well, certainly not you. Are very hard on themselves by nature, working on it. Uh, and those those can be some of those really negative thought patterns to be to be stuck in because you never measure up to your own standards often in your mind. Other people can be telling you you're doing a great job and you'll still only see where you fell came short in your own opinion. And again, that is first awareness and then um, a shift and then creating new habits. And that's what I love about what I teach is it's small, manageable changes and, and adjustments every day. It's like fine tuning a dial every day for a great long term result. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, if you hate your job, don't quit today. Let's do some dialing first. <laughs> you might need that next month. <laughs> not saying you can't quit your job. I'm just saying, you know, maybe it's not the job that has you down. Maybe that's a side effect of some other thing that's going on in your world. So kind of fine tuning and dialing it in and, and finding how, practicing how to live in a more positive space and enjoy your life. It's short enough. That's a, that's exactly right. You know, a funny story about a perfectionist. My mother was one of those <laughs> and she was a perfectionist housekeeper. And, uh, and when company would come over and I had to use the restroom at like three o'clock in the morning, I would see her rear end sticking out from underneath the bathroom cabinet because she was cleaning underneath the, uh, the sink in the bathroom. And I said, mom, nobody's going to look in there. But what if they do? And she, she would say. And then I would say, well, okay, fine. And I would go away. And then the next day she had a miserable time because she got, was up at 3 o'clock in the morning and was tired. Was it worth it? No. But did she do it? She was, comp yes. yes. So it was like, find your joy. You leave the cabinet alone at 3 o'clock yeah. in the morning. You don't need to do that. And, and for anyone who has, and again, I'm not a, a therapist, but when you have um, when you tend to obsess, or if you are have obsessive compulsive issues, um, some of us have sort of what I call the garden variety, so not necessarily clinical, and some people have it clinical. So if it's clinical, get some support, get some, some people in your life to really help you with that. And for those of us where it's more the garden variety, really take thought because that, that obsessiveness can literally steal all your joy. It's just like like a vacuum sucking it out of your life. Um, and again, it's like, what's the payoff? That's a question I ask my clients to ask themselves all the time. What's the payoff for this behavior? What's the payoff for um, holding this grudge? Am I really getting back at him? Or am I just making myself miserable and obsessed for days, weeks, months, years? <laughs> you know... You know, what's, what's really frustrating is that you can be all upset with somebody and they may not even know that you're upset with them, nor do they care. And so you're spending all this time having all of this negative stuff and they, it doesn't affect them at all, but it's, it's center in your life. So get rid of it. Let it go. It doesn't yeah, matter. It really comes, it sounds um, self-centered, but it can go all the way around. I'll follow this. It sounds self-centered to just focus on my, my joy, my happiness. But when you elevate yourself into a, a, a better place of emotional wellness, when you experience joy and happiness more frequently throughout your day, 
you're actually going to be spreading that to the people around you because you know how much how sensitive we are to the moods of the people in our own house or the people at our job or our boss or even our friends right so when you bring that up level doesn't not inauthentic but authentic joy and happiness when you can bring that to the table whatever table you're sitting at it changes the mood all the way around. Maybe not for Mr. Grumpopotamus, I call him, my, my little <laughs> nephew. My little nephew should coin that Grumpopotamus. <laughs> at least that's where I first heard it. <laughs> um, so maybe someone at the table who's just never going to come around. You know, I know a few of those. But for everybody else, it really, it lifts it up, you know? And how do you, you can guide conversations instead of like just jumping in and going down the drain with everybody. Uh, you can bring up everyone around you. So that's the amazing thing about joy is to me is that um, I know there's a lot of, of practitioners that will say you can't give something away unless you have it already. And I understand that philosophy, but I respectfully disagree because with joy, you can have, be having a blue day, but you can make a choice to bring a smile to someone else's face do something for a stranger, help out someone in need or do an extra, do something extra nice for someone at work or even though you're having a blue day. And what's funny is it raises their spirits generally and it also raises yours. So you can actually manufacture joy. It's not like there's a joy pill. <laughs> you can manufacture joy by sharing it or creating it, creating that smile on other people's faces. And all of the happiness science that you will read will also say that, absolutely. The more often you share it and give it away, the happier you become. I have a story around that. Can I tell this real quick? Yes, please. Oh, goody. I, I, love, I love this story because um, years ago, I was a general manager of a restaurant. And it was called Garcia's at Scottsdale. They're gone now. They're Aztec about them. Anyway, um, on a Friday night, Friday, Saturday was our big nights. On, so on a Friday and Saturday night, I was a general manager. I was in charge. I had 70 people working for me. And on a particular Friday night, I would have 13 waitresses, five bus people, seven cooks, three dishwashers, four bartenders, and we would be doing like a lot of business. We were good. And so before the day began, before the, as people came onto their shift, I would walk around the facility in the back of the house and they even put this on a plaque for me. I would say, we're gonna be busy. Get ready. We're gonna be busy. It's gonna be hot. We gotta take care of people. We're gonna have a good time. And and that actually raised the vibration of the entire staff. And and then it, it didn't matter what would happen after that because they were into it, because I was into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's such a great story and such a perfect example for anyone who's ever thought about embracing the role of being a leader. And actually most of us either are or fully have the capability of being a leader. Sure we do. So that's what it means though, is instead of becoming a passive victim, and I don't use that word lightly, but I say so many people feel like we are the phrase victim of our own circumstances. I've been through my fair share. We won't go into those today because this is positive talk radio. <laughs> and thank you very much, thank you very much. But yeah, you know, raising, raising the bar, raising the energy of the people around you and, and for, from the top down, from corporate execs to teachers, to parents, to mentors, 
everyone, you have the opportunity of, of raising the bar and taking them with you. And yes. you can't make them join you, but you can make a lot of people want to. Exactly. And, and plus, if, if there's a motivation that if they give you, if they, if they come to work with a real positive attitude, they do better, their, um, they, their productivity goes up, they will, and it may not be today, and it may not be tomorrow, but eventually you'll make more money. You will make more money. Typically, they will make more money. Um, the happy waitress, as opposed to the really grumpy one, will probably make more tips. <laughs> I can I can guarantee you that's true. Right. So, and then, you know, and I'm an actress as well. So then you come to this question of like, because I've met a lot of people who, who go through an act about being positive or happy. And it annoys the <clears throat> out of me because I was like, being inauthentically happy is almost more annoying than just being downright negative. <laughs> well, well, and if you're being inauthentic about it, it's not genuine and you don't do it right. No, you don't. And it won't spread. You know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of times people do have to act in their job. I mean, some people have really tough customer service jobs yeah. and that's their job to keep the smile on their face. And that's literally their job and that's okay. But in their real life, yeah, m just manufacturing a fake veneer um, isn't isn't raising the bar. You know, keeping up with the Joneses and you know that that fake thing that we do with our neighbors or PTA meetings or whatever, where we're just sort of trying to look like we have this perfect optimal life. It's not really bringing anyone else up. And if anything, if we're playing the comparison game, we're probably going to go home and feel worse than when we get left. <laughs> You know, you know, it's interesting about that. And by the way, we are talking with Anne Scotland. Go to get her book, which is Live for Joy. And go to annscotland.com. Find out all about her and all the things that she does. I, it would behoove you to do that because it's, it's really cool. You know, and when I was younger, I had that, that thought that other families lived in their houses and everything was perfect and mine we had flaws and wasn't clean all the time or whatever i have learned over time that almost all of us have a dysfunctional family component it's just a matter of severity and how you choose to deal with it absolutely absolutely that's the perfect explanation and and also the fact that you know that's partly being human in a human world you know, right. how unfortunate, but it, <laughs> it'd be great if we were, but you know what, if we were, if we were perfect, we wouldn't feel like we're perfect. No, we're not. In fact, if, if our lives were perfect, if we didn't experience disappointment and sadness, all the great philosophers and sages of all the ages would agree. You can't experience joy. It's one of those weird dichotomies where without one, you don't have the other. If we were just completely numb and going along on autopilot with no emotions at all, it'd be boring, but you know, whatever. But in order to experience um, the highs, you know, it's, it's a reflection of the opposite from the lows. And being human, we have that opportunity to embrace both, but we can also choose to enjoy reaching for the happier side. Exactly. Do you remember being an actress? You probably remember this. Um, um, the Twilight Zone. Oh yeah. 
there was an episode of the Twilight Zone where this man died, and he thought he was going to heaven, and uh, and everything was perfect. He was playing pool, and all the all the balls went into the holes the first, and he he got he got tired of it, and everything going just perfectly, and he said. You know, I don't like this. Everything's going just perfectly. I don't feel anything. Maybe I should go to the other place. And uh, he said, what makes you think that you're not in the other place? Yes, absolutely. No, that's absolutely perfect. No, it's true. It's the comparison that allows us to have to have those feelings. And, and I would say that one of the benefits of having negative feelings or the ability to experience negative feelings as opposed to being numb is it gives us the gift of empathy. It gives us the ability to feel where other people are and acknowledge them to notice when people aren't at their best. And it gives us an opportunity to help raise them up with us. And it's not often as hard as it looks. It's, it's, it's not. And I, I implore everyone, and the next time you're at the grocery store and you're in the checkout line, say hello to the uh, checkout person. They're people too, and we can we can benefit by being kind to one another. And and I know that that's what you talk about. One of one of your uh, um, one of the folks who left a comment for you was one of this decade's philosophers. And Scotland's words of wisdom come like raindrops on a dry land. That's very nice. Oh, that is really nice. And, uh, and that's what you see, especially, I mean, I have a lot of fun here and I love talking to you, Kevin. Um, in the book is uh, you really get that because there's so much that is motivational, inspirational, also some pretty deep philosophy. Uh, really, that's where you get that full benefit. There's 12 chapters and it's, it's not just about joy, it's about the full well-rounded pattern of life and what it means to be in a space of emotional wellness. Uh, for example, um, chapter three is about being a, uh, being a positive world citizen or being a benevolent world citizen is the name of the chapter. Um, early on in the book, showing how what we were just talking about um, bringing love and acceptance and an open mind to the people in our life and in our world and, and how not being so narrow actually brings us joy and allows us more healthy connections, you know, which we can totally use in a time where people have been so isolated. Um, another one of my favorite chapters is the last chapter, um, which is called learn to love the endings. Ironically, um, it's about, literally learning to embrace those parts of our life that we often see as endings, which really have a beauty of their own and in many cases are a new beginning. So just a sample of some of what you might read in there. I think that's, that's beautiful because I, I've, you know, have you ever, I, I don't know if, well, I'm sure somebody has, where you feel like it's your last day of work in a place or something and you feel like the chapter is closing, but then on the next page is a new chapter. And you get and so you get excited about the fact that that one's closed and I'm sad about that, but I'm excited about the next one. Yes. And that and that is so true. And that's partly what every year we get older, you know, for good or for better or worse. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Don't start, say that. We start learning 
that we survived the last ending, whether that's a marriage, a job, a relationship, whatever that was, we survived the ending and a new beginning is coming. And when you're very young, it's so hard because you you haven't really learned the pattern yet and you just are pretty sure it's the end of the world. <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like those high school breakups that almost oh. killed you, <laughs> those kind of things. Nothing is worse. No, but once you start realizing that you are resilient and that I can say honestly, that even in the many, you know, unfortunate circumstances over the course of my life, I don't feel like any of it was wasted. Maybe it wasn't optimal, but it actually took me to new chapters that make me who I am today and actually allow me to do what I absolutely love to do, whether it's, you know, acting, whether it's um, teaching and emotional wellness. Um, it all brings you to the place you are today. I was going to say that, that, that this is every, the sum total of all of your experiences, both good and bad, have contributed to who you are today. And you wouldn't change at the end of the day, you wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Cause it's all about what you take away from it. Uh, do you take away that your life is hopeless and you'll always be a victim of your circumstances or do you take away lessons and apply them to the next chapter? Because there's no point in having to relearn the same chapter over and over. So it's really about how you look at it, how you frame it, what your choices are. And choice is, choice is everything. Choices you, is everything. You know, it's like if you wake up in the morning, you get to choose what you're going to fill your day up with and whether it's going to be uh, full of life or full of emptiness. You get to choose that. Nobody else. It's yours. It's a gift. Yes, it is. It is totally a gift. And it reminds me of... Um, a film I was actually in last year, uh, uh, you can, people can check me out on imdb.com because I have my page there. And there's a, a film that I shot last year that just came out called Clairvoyant and it's a girl's name, C-L-A-I-R-E, Clairvoyant. Um, and it's out now on Amazon Prime. And it's about her in, in her, it's a, it's, a, it's a dramedy and it's very much about her um, kind of a spoiled rich girl checking out all the different spiritual persuasions and, and things that she can find to decide which one fits for her and just the amount of choices that 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 makes and but having an open mind actually makes your choices much more fulfilling when you've surveyed them all as opposed to just one choice two choices so it's a good good movie check it out it's on amazon.com Amazon what's, what's the name of it again clairvoyant and it's spelled like the lady's name c-l-a-i-r-e clairvoyant oh very nice you see and now you can go home and you can say hey you know what i heard a movie star on positive talk radio today wouldn't that be awesome and then and that is and you are an awesome person i gotta tell you well it's just fun hanging out with you here could not think of a better way to spend an hour kevin <laughs> Well, golly, that's awfully nice of you to say, ma'am. I, I, and I, you know, and I am the luckiest guy on the planet. I have to, I say that to myself every day because I get to talk to some of the coolest people that are out there and you, you are one of them. Will you come back? I would love to come back. You only saw the tip of the iceberg today. I could talk about a million subjects. So if well, you really you, want me back, brace yourself. <laughs> Well, you know, as we go down the road, we can delve deep into into some of these topics that because, you know, a lot of people really feel like they don't have anywhere to turn. They don't know what to do. They can't get out of it. And they, they are just kind of feeling 
sunk and sinking even even and it's nice to have somebody that's positive that and and go get uh live for joy uh it's it's a great book and 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 thank you so much for being here absolutely kevin my pleasure thank you so much now we have about a minute and a half or i think or so you so tell me anything you want our audience to know anything you want i want your audience to know um i love dogs i love all of you who love dogs i have three rescue mini schnauzers um currently barking outside my door <laughs> unfortunately my bike is blocking them uh i love dogs i think that one of the things that brings us joy is finding the elements of our life that bring us happiness whether that's pets for you or nature or exercise or reading a great novel or hanging out with friends. One of the quickest ways to raise your joy is to just make a short list of six or eight things that really make you happy when you do them and start doing it more often. If you love music, but you don't listen very often because you're too busy, try to add music to your day. You will start to see amazing changes right away. And you know what you also might find? You might find music that speaks to you because I truly believe that, that music and there's messages in music. And if you pay attention, you might be getting the message that means a lot to you. Absolutely. And thank you so much. And you have a great day and go to anscotland.com. And thank you for being on here and we'll see you Friday.